The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Eliza Pressman. And today I'm really excited to share with you this conversation with Vienna Ferrone, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist. She just wrote this incredible book, The Origins of You, How Breaking Family Patterns Can Liberate the Way We Live and Love. And as you know from my constant reminders that we do have to reflect on our experiences and our childhood and our experiences being loved and receiving love, that digging into our roots and understanding them is so helpful for our day-to-day relationships and in our parenting. So today's conversation, we're talking about the different kinds of wounds and their origins. We go through wanting to feel worthy, wanting to belong, wanting to be prioritized, wanting to trust, wanting to feel safe, where they come from, how they present themselves, and how we can move forward once we understand them. If you enjoy this episode, don't hesitate to write a little review, give it a five-star rating, you know, and of course, DM me on at Raising Good Humans podcast with any other feedback and to let me know that you pre-ordered the five principles of parenting, your essential guide to raising good humans. It's getting so close. So please don't forget to order it and DM me when you do so I can send you an early chapter and a thank you. Most parents, when they ask the question, like, how do I make sure that I'm being the best parent that I can, or how do I make sure that I don't screw up my child? Right? I'm sure you've, you've gotten those questions before too. And they say really like so much of this work is about resolving what is unresolved within you because our irresolution ultimately comes with us forward into our relationships, into our style of parenting, and it plays out over and over and over again. And so it is vital that we do this work around resolution from the pain from the past in order to show up, yeah, great as partners, great as friends, great as parents, which I know so many of your listeners are. And, you know, so that that's the invitation. Now, it's prickly sometimes, right? Because, oh, like it's the worst when you're like, okay, how am I screwing them up? <laughs> you know, like, what am I doing that's affecting them? And, you know, we don't get out, you know, to the other side without disappointing them, letting them down. Obviously, we want to do our best as, as parents to, you know, protect them from the big stuff. But ultimately, they're going to go on life's journey, a lot of it with you. And you are an imperfect human being who's going to get some things wrong sometimes. And that has to be a part of the equation. You know, it has to be this idea that like somehow you're going to be perfect throughout, just toss it out. I toss it out. That doesn't mean don't do your best. Don't work hard. Don't, you know, try to protect, of course, but really let's exist in this place that I think is a little bit more reasonable, which is that our human selves are going to do human things. And in our humanness will be missed opportunities and disappointments and letdowns. And sometimes we're going to contribute, you know, to these origin wounds that our kiddos have, right? So for parents doing this work, I remember hearing from parents reading the book where 
where they were having to read it for themselves as their own like kiddo self, like, Ooh, what was it like for me growing up? But then sort of switching that position and stepping into the parental role and thinking about their own children, whether those children were, you know, tiny or medium or adults out in the world somewhere. And I know that this work is confronting work. So I want to say that right out of the gate, the goal is not to throw them or you under the bus. The goal is not to blame and be angry and hate people. Right? The goal is to name which what needs to be named, to acknowledge, to honor the stories. And I think especially as parents, you know, again, it's not the absence of disconnect or disappointment or, you know, the things that just play out. It's our ability to repair. It's our ability to acknowledge and take ownership. And when we do that, right, like there's so much beauty that comes from it. What we know about attachment is not that it's the absence of hard stuff happening. It's about going through hard things together and getting to the other side of that. And that's beautiful for us as, as the adults now, where we have capacity for ownership and accountability to really lean into that. So kick us off with a little bit of like soft, loving intro into <laughs> it. And now let's talk about the wounds. I took a I took a detour there. I think it's really important. It's really important. And also I, I really, not only could we not be perfect and have the absence of any of these bumps and any of the missteps that are inevitable. I think it's its own wound and its own burden to be raised by someone who is perceived as perfect. Because what a, what a burden to then think Mm -hmm. that's even attainable. So I think all of the intro parts of how we're talking about wounds is really important to just alleviate some of the oh my God, am I going to wound in this way and screw up my kid or Mm -hmm. any of those things? This is really about reflection and coming to terms with our experience. Yeah, yeah. It's our, the curiosity and the inquiry. So yeah, in the book, I talk about five origin wounds, which are worthiness, belonging, prioritization, safety, and trust. When I sat down to write the book, I'm like scribbling down all the different wounds that a person could possibly have and this everything all over the place. And ultimately, I wound up feeling like these five really encompassed the human experience. Now, they're labels. Do we fit into these boxes? No, of course not. If another word works for someone, great. But it felt like a really important framework for so many of us because I think that we can relate to these, right? These words sort of ring true for us. And even just listening right now, some of you might think like, oh yeah, totally. I, I know exactly which ones I have, or maybe right, I have before all you five. Even describe, right? right. Before we even dive in. And, you know, with the worthiness wound, especially, I as I was writing the book, it's like I kind of feel like all of us rub up against a worthiness wound at some mm-hmm. point or another in our in our lifetimes. And so, yeah, the worthiness wound, how might we come to get it? So this often plays out when there is conditional love in a household, right in our family system, meaning like 
how did I get love, connection, attachment, validation? How did we get peace in the home? How did I get calm? Did I need to be a certain way in order to get that? And so for so many of us, it's like if we're performing, so I would say like hands up to the performers, the pleasers, right? The perfectionists, the comic relief, right? We are the people who learned that if I got straight A's or if I was an excellent athlete or if I could make my parent laugh, what would happen is I would get validation or dad would stop hurting my sister or mom would not be so sad, right? And so sometimes it's like the conditional love could be something that's really explicit, but sometimes it's also what we observe in the family. So like when I am doing X, Y, Z, what I notice shift in the family is this. And sometimes that's for us, meaning, okay, they're nicer to me or they're happier with me or they're more loving to me. But sometimes it's an observation that we recognize that plays out with someone else. And I sort of gave that example before, dad stops hurting my sister. So if I am funny, if I can keep people laughing, if I am succeeding at school, then the abuse stops or I can protect someone else or mom's sadness is not as potent. Right. And so these are some of the examples that can commonly play out where we might struggle to believe that we are worthy without our performance. We are worthy without our pleasing. We are worthy without this role of stepping into the comic relief. Other times we'll struggle with a worthiness wound just because we receive statements of harm, meaning people tell us that we are unworthy. People tell us that we're, you know, useless piece of a human, right? Like it's abusive and it can really strip down our sense of worth and value in the world. I struggled with a worthiness wound and the way that it played out was because when I was a quote unquote good kid, easygoing, I got a lot of, like my my dad was really available to me. We had a lot of fun. He was super helpful. When I stepped out of that role. And and this was determined by him, not by anybody else. But if I was like difficult based on his standards, the way that I was punished was through the silent treatment. And that would go on for days or weeks on end. And I share that example because I think for me, and, and there's plenty of other details of my life story that would help this make sense. But I I realized that I had to be a certain way, right, in order to get one version of a father. And if I was difficult or challenging or set a boundary or spoke up or disagreed or, 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 right, then what would happen is I would get punished through the silent treatment. And that was something that taught me that my worthiness, my value, why people might want to stay with me in relationships is if I am an easygoing human, if I am the cool girl, quote unquote, I like to embody that persona for a long time of my life. And so, yeah, like that was something that really was revealed to me, you know, many, 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 many years ago, but I, it was so helpful in putting some of these pieces together. So that's one of the ways that a, that a worthiness wound can show up. Okay. So a little break for an ad. Apologies for my cold. It sounds gross, but that does not take away from the fact that the Lactation Network, TLN, is the largest national provider of insurance covered lactation 
Did you hear that? Insurance covered lactation care. Delivered by international board certified lactation consultants, IBCLCSs. They provide lactation support, including breast pump products and lactation consultants to families in need of care. Now, if you have ever breastfed or you are currently breastfeeding, then you know this is not something that you could always do without support. It is so awesome to have a service that is covered by insurance for something that is so sensitive, unique, and individualized. Feeding plants may vary, but every baby has to eat. And if breastfeeding is a choice you've made, there is a way to get help so that you don't have to feel like even though it's natural, it has to be automatic. That's just not reality. I remember having so much trouble with my daughter's latch and I really needed support. And by the way, insurance didn't cover it. So if you or someone you know is expecting or a new parent, they deserve expert lactation care. Visit tln.care for more information and to check out your coverage and schedule a consultation. Belonging wound. I don't know about you, but I've had conversations with people where they'll share like, oh, I grew up in a family where it's like, we do things this way. We believe this, right? Like this is how we do it. There's a real strong sense of the we. And in that strong sense of the we is an absence of flexibility, is an absence of differences, right? It's like you have to be this way in order to belong, in order to fit in. And so, you know, the people who were the black sheep of families, the people who felt othered, the people who didn't feel like they fit in or that, you know, maybe their parents or the adults in their lives or their siblings like really understood them or got them. This is where we might struggle. With belonging, I love Dr. Gabor Mate says really about attachment, that like attachment and authenticity are these two lifelines for us as kiddos, right? And when attachment is threatened, we will trade authenticity for it every single time because it's our life, because we cannot survive without it, right? And so we become a little less of this or a little more of that. We shape shift in order to adapt to what the system is asking of us, right? What the system is requiring of us. And that's, you know, so many of us, we lose our authenticity in order to have attachment with a caregiver, right? Like I need to be who you need me to be in order to maintain this lifeline. And so I have to disconnect from myself in order to remain connected to you. So it's so hard because it's also at the same time as you're trying to figure out who you are. Right. Yeah. Right. When there isn't an environment that says, I welcome you as you are. Yeah. And we know that people struggle with that, of course, because if you're different than me, what does that mean about me? There's so many reasons, right? And that's what we try to dive into in this book is that we're, we're constantly holding the complexity of the human experience, right? That this book isn't about just focusing on you. It's also about reminding you that your parents, the adults in your lives were tiny humans once in a complicated family system that probably have layers of, you know, challenges and confronting experiences and moments in their times, right? And so we know that context helps us make sense of a lot of things, but context isn't an excuse. 
right? So why do people struggle to hold space for their children's differences? Okay, there's a story there. Now, again, can we get to know it? Yes. Are we going to use that as an excuse? No. But the hope is that we get to understand ourselves better. We get to understand our partners better, our children better, our parents better, our siblings better as we move through this. I'll keep marching along. It's only funny because we're talking about these like deep, intense wounds. But you got to march along because this is such important stuff. Right. Yeah. And obviously I dive deep into it in the book, but I want to give just the like drop in the bucket so that people are like, ooh, I think this one resonates with me or this is, oh, I could see this in my partner or, oh, maybe we are creating that environment for our children, right? Like that, that's our hope here. So prioritization wound. Okay. Am I important enough to the important people in my life? Or are you choosing other things that are more important to you? So parents who are the workaholics, parents who maybe struggled with addiction, maybe you grew up in a family system where you had a sibling who struggled with a mental health challenge. And so you, your parents' attention went there and you didn't feel like you were a priority in the family system. I always remind people when I talk about prioritization, and this is for all of the wounds, that our wounds don't necessarily have to come from malintended places. They don't have to come because parents were negligent or abusive. It's sometimes wounds happen because the circumstances play out this way. I share an example in the book of a client of mine's aliases, Andre. And in our sessions, he was really loving and protective of his mom, his single mama who worked multiple jobs. And the time that they spent together is they would go to church on Sundays, have brunch afterwards before she went to her shift. Every other day she worked multiple shifts. And he was just so protective of her. And he would rationalize that like, this was actually her way of prioritizing him by giving him everything that she possibly could, giving him the best opportunity that he could have. And so he would sit in that space for a while, but ultimately what he needed to say was that he wanted to feel more prioritized through time spent with her. And I think sometimes we have to get to this place where we can hold these multiple truths, right? I can love my mom. I can respect her. I can acknowledge and honor all of the time and energy and commitment that she put in here. And I also have this experience. I wanted more time with her. I wanted to feel prioritized through time spent, period. No explanations, no need to, is we cannot protect other people while simultaneously honoring our experience properly. And that's a big gulp. That's a hard thing to swallow because I think yeah. for so many of us, why we don't do this work is like they did the best that they could or their parents right. were and, and, so and. much worse to them. And, 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 right? Like their parents were so much worse to them than they were to me, right? So many narratives that keep us from this. We feel guilty. Oh, I, I, would feel ashamed of myself for not just feeling grateful for what they did. And I think it's very important that we remind ourselves again, that we're not out to get people, but we are out to acknowledge our story and acknowledge our pain. So I always share that story when I'm talking about the prioritization wound, because this is a 
This is a heartbreaking example, but a beautiful example of someone absolutely doing their best and there still being a wound that emerges, right? That like that child still has an experience that needs to be honored and acknowledged and felt. And that's like a whole other conversation that we can get into another time. But I think it's really interesting to also, we have to make decisions about when we're doing something that might be painful, but it's a, it's something we have to do, or we're doing something or we're receiving something that we perceive as painful, but mm-hmm. there is nothing to do about it. Do we have the voice to be able to just mm-hmm. say, that hurts? And right. it doesn't have all the caveats. And it doesn't right. mean that you're rejecting the hard work or you're, re- you're saying you are a less than parent or I am a less than kid. It's just sometimes things hurt and I just need yes. to be able to say that. Yeah, we love the caveats, right? We, we love to go to the explanations and... Yeah. And and I think too, on the other side of it, like sometimes we feel like, oh my gosh, they're so ungrateful. They're pointing out this one thing. And like, didn't you see how hard I worked? Didn't you see how much I gave? And I think, you know, relationally, we, one of our greatest skill sets is to be able to exist in the nuance and the complexity and the layers of all of this. Because if we become self-protective, meaning like, how dare you feel this way, right? And we become defensive. What happens is we no longer are protecting the relationship. When we're self-protective, we're no longer relationally protective. We can no longer hear and honor and connect to what the other person is sharing with us. And of course, how they share it with us matters. Yes. But it's so vital that we are able as parents, especially to hold ourselves up in high enough regard so that when we get this feedback about ourselves, we don't have to go into this shame spiral where we're defensive or we go on the attack, right? With feedback, it is imperative that we can still hold ourselves in high enough regard and be present to what somebody else is sharing with us. I know that is tricky if somebody's attacking us or being very critical of us and, you know, the gloves feel like they have to come on and out. But I think that this is one of the things that I work with people so much in relationships is like, hold yourself up. You need to be able to receive feedback. You need to be able to hear this and stay in a relationally protective place instead of a self-protective place. So it's a dance. It's a dance and it's hard. (laughs) What the practice is, it sounds like the minute we do the you should feel a certain way, in mm-hmm. order to protect ourselves from having to face things is the minute that we are losing that relational connection yeah. and we're going to self-protection. So that's yeah. just something we can catch because we all do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all do it sometimes. I've got a story for us down the down our conversation lane specifically <laughs> about that, but I'll, I'll finish up on the wound. So the okay. trust wound, pretty straightforward. I imagine many people will automatically think about ruptures and trust. Exactly that, right? Our trust is broken either through betrayal, deceit, lies. Maybe one of the most common ones would be an infidelity, for example, but something else 
outside of that might be family secrets, secrets that have been kept from us for a long period of time and then get revealed to us at a later point, or we come to find them out on our own and realize that the adults have been keeping this from us for a long period of time, right? So family secrets is a big one. I've had clients where parents have taken credit cards out in their names, or they've gambled away a, an education fund, right? These things that are ruptures in trust that make us no longer, yeah, that just make us no longer believe in what other people are saying. Sometimes it's the big stuff, like I just described. And other times it can be these like consistent ruptures somebody forgetting to pick you up from school a few times or someone saying that we're going to go do something, but then we never go do that thing, right? And so it's like, it, it doesn't always have to be the big heavy hitters like, oh yeah, there was an affair or oh yeah, this wild thing happened where there was this rupture in trust. Right? Like Sometimes we see this in the day-to-day where people are not following through on their words. And it's something that leaves a child with those question marks of like, well, I just, I don't believe people or I can't trust people. I know people are not going to follow through and people who are supposed to be the most trusting and trustworthy to me are not. And then the last one is the safety wound. And listen, when we're talking about a lack of safety, we are often talking about a presence of abuse. And so I always share that up front because it's a tender chapter. I would not have done it justice if I tried to stay away from talking about abuse when needed to. And so of course, abuse, physical, sexual, emotional, mental, psychological, just all of the different ways in which it can play out. Recklessness, negligent, but ultimately as a kiddo, if you didn't feel like your world was safe, right? Your world was secure, that people were looking out for you, that people were watching out for you, that you were not in dangerous situations and places and experiences, you know, that's where we're going to struggle with safety. And it turns us into similar. Trust and safety often go hand in hand because you you almost don't have one without the other. But if you have a safety wound, it's really hard to trust. And if you have a trust wound, it, it can often feel very hard to feel safe and secure in those relationships. So they're very interwoven. It often turns into a hypervigilance as an as adults. But those are the five wounds. Obviously I get much deeper into it in the book and do a lot of storytelling to try to make it come alive and have people see themselves or the important people in their lives, you know, on those pages. But yeah, these are the wounds and it's not uncommon to identify with many of them. Moms know this. Sorry, I have a cold and that just happens. Moms get colds. (laughs) We also know that routines are good. We like routines. I'm out of my routine because I'm sick but routines help with the chaos and they cut down on time. And I, as you know, love anything that cuts down on time. And so that is why I love this new skincare routine I've tried from Dime Beauty because I will take any quick steps to get the things done that need to get done. And Dime Beauty is clean, it's high-end skincare, but it's affordable. And it works. Dime is 100% transparent about every single ingredient. So you can use their products daily with confidence. So here's what I use. A gentle cleanser, a toner that does not strip my 
mature skin, two serums that are super luxurious, and a moisturizer. So there's a system you can just order called The Works. It has a cleanser, a toner, two awesome serums, two luxurious moisturizers morning and night. Come on, so easy. Plus, in the morning, you could do the Tinted Glow Wonder Screen that has SPF 30. It has just like, you know, it's no makeup, but kind of makeup a little bit. Love your skin again. Go to DimeBeautyCO.com now and unlock your discount. That's DimeBeautyCO.com. Okay, really important to take a moment, and I know nobody has time, but take a moment and order your copy or copies of The Five Principles of Parenting, Your Essential Guide to Raising Good Humans by me, Dr. Lisa Pressman. Order them wherever you like to get your books. I, of course, would love for you to do local, but you know what? You can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, bookshop.com. This book is for you to have as a resource, whether you have an infant or a teen. This is kind of covering everything I could think of that I know you would need under one roof. And with the ways of looking at every parenting challenge that we didn't cover, but just you kind of start to become pretty fluent in it. Please order your copy of the five principles of parenting and DM me and let me know that you've done it. I am so honored and thrilled and excited for you to have it. It's coming. When you're identifying, because there is no chance that you can read through this no matter what and not recognize some of these Mm -hmm. stories and some of these wounds, whether or not it's yourself or someone you love. The question I have is when someone is trying to unpack this, how can Mm -hmm. they distinguish between a wound that is like big W wound and Mm -hmm. a little W wound that is part of the crap that happens every day, but isn't going to depending, I guess, on your temperament and the way Mm -hmm. your relationship is, that is a memory you can have and come to terms with, but it doesn't have to be the same as the experience of, I'm calling it big W and little W, which is obviously just a made up thing that I Mm -hmm. am saying, but I'm playing off of big T, little T trauma. But I do wonder how people can distinguish when they're first looking at this, like they've never really unpacked that history. They've never really reflected on their early experiences. Many, for many people, because that is too painful and for Mm -hmm. other people, because it didn't occur to them. It just was. So now how can they unpack these things and distinguish between their experience Uh of getting to know what their history is and, oh, wait a second, that was way not okay. Uh Yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes we run the risk of entering into what I call wound comparison. And I think, of course, we have events in our lives, people's lives that we all recognize as traumatic. And, you know, if there was a spectrum, right, we would put it all the way at, at the top. And then other things that, yeah, are are not that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if we're only searching for things that we code as significant enough to have a feeling about them, we're going right. to distract ourselves away from what Andre needed to do, right, which was say, hey, I actually 
didn't feel prioritized through time spent with the person I wanted to spend the most time with. And so I'm careful in my response to you because I think so many of us get to this place where we're like, well, I know somebody who has it so much worse than I do. So I don't even, yeah, like I don't even have a right to say anything. And that to me is- Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's such a distraction away from honoring our stories. So our goal is, again, not to go on some like wild hunt to find something that doesn't exist. Maybe to answer your question specifically, I would say that if it is leading your life in some way today, then it lets us know that there's a resolution there. And so what I mean by that is I often say our unwanted patterns are pain's way of grabbing at our attention. So if you listening right now have any unwanted patterns in your life that you haven't been able to shake, Okay, whether it's you keep having the same argument with a partner or you keep pursuing emotionally unavailable people or you keep struggling to keep the boundary that you say you're going to set a thousand times over or you're able to give everybody else advice that you just can't take. Right. You're like, don't text your ex, block them. But then when your ex texts, somehow you're like in a conversation with them 20 seconds later. It's like those are things that are going to point the arrow back to irresolution from the past. And so I think that is how I would answer your question. How do we know if it's something that like, okay, it happened, but we, we, it doesn't have a grip on us. Pain will have a grip on us. Pain has to have a grip on us because and I say that pain does not want to destroy us. It's not out to get us. It doesn't want to make our lives miserable. It's not rubbing its hands together, cynically laughing at us, putting us in all of these different patterns that we absolutely hate. Pain has a grip on us because pain wants to be acknowledged by us. Right? Pain would like for us to turn back to it and honor it and see it and name it and be with it and process it and witness and grieve so that it can loosen its grip on us. That's what pain wants. Okay? And pain will loosen its grip. So if you have unwanted patterns in your life right now, that's a really good indicator that something from the past, right, one of these wounds right, is a little bit in the driver's seat. Right? It's like sticky little hands around the driver's seat and it's taken over in times. Right? Our reactivity is a really good indicator. Right? If we like find ourselves super reactive with certain people or certain things, right? Like that reactivity is a neon sign pointing to something unresolved from the past, right? And so those are really good telltale signs for us that something is significant enough in our history and it's worth looking at. So, and I know we have to wrap up, but there's so many other things that I want us to get into. I wonder if, and it's so silly to just be like, can you briefly go through all these wounds. Can you briefly talk about how we can come to terms with them and then briefly talk about how we can heal? But having said that, thinking about a parent who's recognizing as an example that they're super reactive to the smallest things, that they get so frustrated. I hear this so often where a a parent is feeling like, I just can't stop yelling. Uh And can you take us through kind of the process of coming to terms with and reflecting on what's going on and and what, you know, of course you're not going to just like recognize it and it'll go away. But is there some space that allows for growth even before we have the capacity to get through all of this digging, like in real time, 
as we're moving through this process. In a dream world, we're doing all of this before we even decide to have kids. <laughs> yeah. But chances yeah. are, for a lot of us, we're motivated to do this because we have kids. Right. Right. So here we are. I leave you with that. <laughs> yeah. Our reactivity, it's an invitation. And I always try to encourage people to move out of shame as quickly as possible and into curiosity, to try to move out of guilt or embarrassment as quickly as possible and to move into curiosity. So you're upset that you're yelling at your children. You're upset that you did something and you feel so embarrassed about it. Okay. Our behavior makes sense in context always. Always, 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 always. When you think that you're having an outsized response to something, it's historical. It's always historical. But if it doesn't match up in this moment, okay, it doesn't mean that like something is wildly wrong. It means that something historical is presenting in this moment. And as parents, I think one of the things, you know, that we come up face to face with is often, you know, a lack of control, right? Like think about it. it pretty much in every scenario and situation, right? It's like an absence of control, right? I, I, cannot, I cannot control this moment. I feel out of control. When I feel out of control, I feel helpless. I feel powerless or something's happening. And so now I'm not a perfect parent, right? Like, and so for me, when you're you know, giving some of those examples, I'm thinking, okay, is it that I don't feel like a perfect parent right now? And if I'm not a perfect parent, is that activating a worthiness wound for me? If I feel like I'm out of control and so I'm feeling powerless, is it activating a safety wound where I was in a helpless position as a child and, I, I, and it feels familiar? The storyline is going to be different, obviously. right? But it's the familiarity in our bodies that is what we're looking for. Right? And that's where the wounds come into play is that when we're, act, you know, when we're super reactive, when we're having outsized responses to things and it doesn't feel like it makes sense, right? These are inquiry moments. They are inquiry moments. They are not invitations for you to be in shame. They are invitations for you to explore what is there for you. I'll quickly give you an example. This isn't a parenting example, but I think it'll still resonate with people. A human example. A human example, I was in a fight with my partner who turned into my husband. So at least we know it went okay. And I don't know what I, we were fighting about, but I remember vehemently that I couldn't stop proving my point. I was doubling down, tripling down, kept going and going and going. I needed to be right. And my husband's like, well, my partner at the time, I got it. I got it. I understand. He understood. And I keep going and keep going and keep going. Can't stop. Out of body experience, I'm like Vienna, shut up. Like this is too much. Like you got to stop. Eventually I stop. Little moment of shame spiral, replace it with curiosity because I'm a therapist and I guess I have that <laughs> tool, <laughs> tool in my, in my kit. And I'm like, what? does this behavior serve? Why do I need to be right? right? Why do I need to be right? Why do I need to prove my point? And that squiggly little line brought me to, unsurprisingly, my childhood. I watched my parents went through a nine-year divorce process, high, high, high conflict, lots of gaslighting, manipulation, psychological abuse, paranoia, emotional flying, all, all of it. And I watched, although it wasn't directed at me, my dad was a master manipulator at the time. And he was just so quick with details and words. And, and it was quite literally crazy making for my mom. And I was an observer of this. And I watched, and I, what I equated was that when you are right, 
it means that you are in power and control and ultimately safe. And when you are wrong, it means that you are unsafe. And it was as simple as that for me to be able to understand that my need to be right and my need to prove my point was directly connected to my safety. To be wrong would be unsafe for me, historical. And when I became aware of that, you know, I brought that to my partner now husband at the time. We had a really beautiful conversation about it. And listen, knowing is not enough. You can't just know like, aha, there it is. This is why I do this, but I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, It doesn't mean that I don't ever prove my point still to this day. I do sometimes, but I have a different (laughs) relationship with it, which is so important. And I have to work with that and I have to, you know, do some of the healing work that I talk about in the book in order to get to a place where I'm reminded that this person is not from way back when, right? That I am in a different relationship, that I actually am safe here, that I don't need to use this behavior as a form of self-protection. And so I share that, this human experience with all of you, because I think If we all inquire, we're all going to find something like that. And that's the beauty is that our behavior makes sense in context. We make sense in context. The context isn't an excuse. I can't just go around proving my point for the rest of my life because I'm probably not going to have relationships then. But it gives me something to work with. And that's the gift. That's the beauty. And that's the hope that all of us start to understand these parts of ourselves differently. Context with relationship to self, relationship to our partners, relationship to our kiddos and as parents, but to really dive into this work in this beautiful way so that we have a deeper understanding and deeper self-awareness, a deeper relational awareness as we continue to navigate through life. It is so touching to also know that like in your story, you found a partner with whom Mm -hmm. you could change that course and change that pattern there. It's so moving. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.